The California in me says it can't get any cooler than this. Hello, good morning. Hey, other brother, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. From what I understand, you just came through the temple for the open house. I know you have some roots that are there in Arkansas. What significance does it have for you, or what would you like to tell us about your experience in the temple and temples in general? Okay. Well, I was born in California, reared in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I'm a Californian by birth, but an Arkansan by adoption. (laughs) My wife moved to Arkansas in 1980 when I finished my graduate work at Purdue University. And I came here to take a position as a professor of business management in the business school at the University of Arkansas. So this is uh, where we reared our family. We served in the church here and loved the people, loved the area. So this for us is like coming home. If you had asked me in 1980, would we ever have a temple in Bentonville, Arkansas? I probably would have laughed. So to come back now, as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, which I never could have imagined, and to participate in the Media Day and VIP tours uh, for the Bentonville Temple, which I never would have imagined. It's just a remarkably uh, joyful experience to be here and be involved in what we're doing. And And you're from California. Yes, sir. How would you describe the feeling coming back to Fayetteville? Because you mentioned that the people are very important to you and it feels like coming home. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? We have so many dear friends that uh, we were blessed to meet and have wonderful relationships with over, you know, two decades. And some of them have passed. But Susan and I contacted all of these friends and associates and made arrangements so that we could uh, take them on a tour through the through the house of the Lord here. There really are no words to describe what that feels like. People you've known for so long, sharing with them the things that mean the most to us, our membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to see, though they have different beliefs, to see how reverent and respectful they were and how much they have a chance to learn about the temple. I just don't have words. I can't say the smallest part of what I feel about that because it was so rich, so sweet, uh, and so meaningful. So this, this sounds like it's a very intimate experience, taking these friends that you've known, and now you're able to actually bring them into the temple. That had have been amazing. Let me add one more layer to that. Okay. My wife and I have three sons. Uh, they're all married. And among the three boys and their wives, there are 19 grandchildren. So we told boys about this experience months ago. They made arrangements. So we have our three sons, their wives, and 16 of our 19 grandchildren here with us doing this. So it's kind of a family union in a place where we haven't been together as a family in Northwest Arkansas since 1997. That makes quadruple special. So you're in the temple with all of your family. They're children, they're in the grandchildren as well. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, we have two of our granddaughters that are serving as missionaries in Brazil. So they're not here with us. And we have one daughter who is home from her mission, her one granddaughter. She's home from her mission. And she's a uh, what's called an FSY counselor. And so she wasn't able to be here. But everyone else is here. 
that's got to be such a powerful experience to, to be in a temple with all of them. The word that came to my mind was, that's what heaven must be like, to be in a place that's that special. The California in me says it can't get any cooler than this. <laughs> <laughs> Anything unexpected. I mean, I know you said the words can't describe it, but were there any specific thoughts that you had as you were there with them? Well, I think one of the highlights for me is that people see the structure of the temple and they have no idea what to expect. Mm. But they think, many people will think it's like a large open area sanctuary and that there will be some kind of a large gathering space. And when you take them into the temple, and they begin to see that it, it represents a journey through life, that there are different rooms that have different functions and purposes. If you combine the beauty of the building and their surprise at the function that's being mm. performed, it's all about what you're learning and, and pledging to do when you're in the temple. Uh, when people walk in, I just watch their faces, mm. and you can see them go, wow. This isn't what I expect. And you take them into another room and they walk in. Wow. So it's a a never ending series of wows. And to take these people through and watch that reaction is just a delight. That's amazing. And so you notice that they notice that it's so spectacular. Yeah, they, They really don't know what to expect. But what they find is clearly it's a surprise to them. So what would you hope that people would see? Your children and your grandchildren or anyone? The temple to me is a symbol of our total commitment to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is not go to church on Sunday and you've done your duty kind of a deal. Hmm. Uh, You're making promises in the temple uh, and you live it all day, every day. You don't say, I don't feel like doing it today. It, it guides you in everything that you do. That's what I want my grandkids to better understand. They're living that way now, but they have a lot more to learn. We all do. So that's what I hope they take away is that uh, I am committing myself to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ 24-7 for as long as I live. So you want your children to know and you want them to understand that the temple is a huge commitment that it's not just a Sunday thing. It's a way for us to show our commitment to God that we want to follow him 24-7. Is that right? It's the way we live and what we should become. It's not a hobby or a part-time deal. That's a beautiful way of putting it. What would you say, just in an, on a general perspective, you've traveled the world. You've been to many of the temples. You've dedicated temples. As members of the church, I mean, you talked about your family. What would you want general members of the church and in the whole world to know understand about our worship or or the temple in general we live in a remarkable season where temples are dotting the earth brigham young and other leaders of the church has said that temples would dot the earth well we live in the day when the dots are showing up all over the world and my hope is that the members of the church will never let the convenience of having the temple closed become a distraction from their covenants you know, when you live a great distance from one of the temples, you have to plan, you have to arrange your schedule, you have to sacrifice. Whenever it's right next door, you can say, I'll go next week. Ah, didn't make it this, I'll go next week. Because the convenience overpowers uh, the, the covenant that we're making. So I just hope members don't take it for granted. They don't become casual 
simply because it's now closer than it's ever been. Yeah, I've heard somebody say it like this, like, you know, the pioneers, they tracked across the plains. Is it easier for, is like walking thousands of miles or is it harder to walk right across the street, you know? Yeah, because we're so busy and we think we're doing so many important things that we put what matters the most behind a lot of secondary priorities. When it comes to the temple and uh, the convenience, if you were to address a congregation in a local ward, what invitations would you make to them? Or uh, what beliefs might you address that would help people fight this idea of complacency of the temple being so close? I would point out that in the latter days, uh, the Lord says in the Doctrine and Covenants that the whole world will be in commotion. Well, lots of things are getting turned upside down in the world in which we live. And the place to go to really remember that white is white, black is black, right is right, and wrong is wrong, is to consider the lessons that we learn when we're in the house of the Lord. So in a, in a situation where it could, you could kind of lose your bearings, uh, the house of the Lord is the place to never get lost. I'm not a pilot, but I think if you're flying in clouds, you have to rely on instruments to make sure you're flying correctly. I think we're all pilots in this journey of life, and there's a lot of fog in the latter days, so you got to get the instruments, and they get tuned up in the house of the Lord. So as I'm going through my life, it's easy to get lost in the commotion. It's easy to uh, even value it if we're not careful. But you're saying that it's very important to realize that that is where the clarity is found, which is contrary to what is happening in the world with the commotion, with everything being flipped on its head. President Nelson says, you know, you're doing some things that are nice, but you might want to give them up so you can do what's essential and spend more time in the temple. So we just, we make sure that we're grounded. We stand in holy places and then you can't be moved. All the voices in the world beckoning for our attention, for our time, for our resources, all these voices are screaming at us. And you go to the temple and you can be still and remember what matters most. Wow, that's so powerful. With that said, what are some of the things that you would say that you notice? It could be temple related or, or anything. What are some patterns that you notice that are regarding the temple or anything in general that give you, I was maybe the word, word is rewarding, encouraging, that encourages you as you look at the world? Well, whenever I, I talk about the fact that my hope is that members won't become casual or complacent the flip side of that is that the members are knocking down the doors of the temple to get in. <laughs> they're jammed. So it's both sides of the coin. They're, they're taking tremendous advantage of the opportunity, and you just hope that is sustained and grows over time. Is there anything else that you feel encouraged about as a prophecy and a revelator? I guess maybe more of the question is like, what do you see that encourages you in the future? Because I feel like right now, you hear the word a lot of faith crisis. And a lot of times I almost wonder, if, is it really, is it, or is it more of a hope crisis? Almost like hope is being lost for people, you know? What do you see that, uh -huh. that is encouraging in the future? Well, if you take a look at the things that President Nelson has been teaching about focusing on the Eternal Father's plan of happiness, the Savior's role in the plan as our Redeemer and Savior, that is hope. Okay. That's the whole, all of the stuff that uh, happens in the world. Your discipleship doesn't stop bad things from happening, but your discipleship and the power that we receive helps us to deal with the bad things that are inevitable. So the entire message of the restored gospel is hope.
be able to deal with anything and everything if we're following the Savior and honoring our covenants. That's amazing. So there is hope, and a lot of times it feels as if people, the reason why they might not have it is because to their, maybe to their perspective, they're not really looking back to the covenants, looking back to the connection. But then having inevitably... See, each of us is a child of the covenant. We have a covenant connection with the Father and the Son. That's different than just having a relationship. A relationship, I think we can only understand in human terms. A covenant connection with God strengthens us in ways that nothing else can. It helps us know our identity as sons and daughters of God. And there's nothing more hopeful in the midst of the greatest trial, knowing we have that covenant connection, that sense of purpose gives us strength beyond our own. Oh, so a lot of people use the word relationship. You're saying an even more powerful word is connection. You know, about the covenant connection with God. I just think it's stronger mm. in a spirit when we focus on a covenant connection. So if someone's going through a trial and it's really challenging, we need to really remember those covenants that we make. Amen. That's exactly Amen. right. That's really, that's really, really powerful. I, the only the only last question I have is there just from the conversation that we've had is there anything that you discern uh, even in the conversation that we've that we just had that you would like to add? Yeah. Uh, sometimes I hear members of the church say living the gospel is hard. Not living the gospel is what's hard. It's joyful, and in the midst of the voices, the noise, the commotion, living the gospel is joyful. Thank you so much, Elder Ben. Fun to visit with you. We'll do this face-to-face sometime. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. The California in me says it can't get any cooler than this.